Welcome to Christian Financial Perspectives, a weekly financial podcast where we talk about ways to integrate your faith and your finances. This is Bob Barber. This is Mary Jo Lyons. Are you ready to learn the truth about money from a biblical perspective? Join us as we discuss what God's Word says about money. If it's your first time listening, welcome to the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. In today's podcast episode of Christian Financial Perspectives, we're going to talk more about understanding retirement plans, including IRAs, Roth IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, SEP IRAs, simple IRAs, and even get into required minimum distributions and what those mean and require. You think that went over anybody's head, that what they just heard there, Mary Jo? <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of acronyms. It is a lot of acronyms. You know, in a recent episode, we talked about procrastination. And when it comes to retirement savings, many of us are guilty of doing that. So this is another priority and retirement podcast today, because sometimes retirement seems so far away for some, but so close for others. In our last episode, we looked at the history of retirement plans and how Social Security got its start. So in today's episode, we're going to be looking at all the specifics regarding the most popular types of retirement plans that Mary Jo just mentioned, how they work, how much you can contribute, and what the rules are. I love the scripture, as we are Christian financial perspectives, that 2 Corinthians 6.1 says, from a, it's actually from the New Life version of the Bible, we are working together with God, and we ask you from our hearts not to receive God's loving favor and then waste it. I just love that scripture because it talks about God's giving us favor by having the ability to make an income. And when we take that income and waste it, I think we're not doing ourselves justice. That's not a godly thing to do. So we want to be careful when God blesses us that we don't waste it and save for our future retirement. You know, Bob, and speaking to that, there's another great scripture that I think also speaks to retirement readiness in a way. And what you were just saying, it speaks about self-control, which is hard when we're faced with our savings goals versus spending on earthly stuff in the secular world and all, all the demands we see today and the pressures to buy, buy, buy. But we really want to stress that you know, individuals, they can't invest their way to retirement readiness. They have to save their way to retirement readiness. And you might hear me say that again, but that's just just kind of my biggest passion. So it is talking about our savings goal and there's no time like the present. So the other scripture that I like around this is from the second book of Peter, chapter two, verse three through five. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge. So that's our goal for today is to impart knowledge to our listeners. Well, you ready to go with it, Mary Jo? Because there's a lot to go through, isn't there? (laughs) Let's do it. Get your listening hats on. All right. So let's start with the easiest retirement plans first, which most of us know about, and that's the traditional IRA. 
for 2019, the maximum contribution that you can put in a traditional IRA is $6,000 per person. Or actually, if you're over 50, you can put $7,000 per person. Now, I want you to understand that putting money in an IRA may not be tax deductible because it depends on what your income is and other plans that you may be putting money into. You know, Bob, we want our listeners to remember that when our first episode, part one on retirement plans, we shared that qualified plans are those that the contributions, I'm doing quotation marks in the air. I know they can't see me. But yeah, <laughs> I can see you though. <laughs> plans are those that the contributions qualify as a reduction or deduction from taxable income. This is true for the individual as well as the employer. The deduction is restricted if individuals making the contribution participates in an employer-sponsored plan. So again, to emphasize that deduction may be restricted due to the individual's level of income, and that depends on the modified adjusted gross income. You'll hear that referred to as MAGI, and a deduction may be allowed for all, none, or a portion of uh, your IRA contribution. So a lot of people that max out their 401k or their 403bs, thrift savings plans that we're going to be talking about here later in the program, they may not be able to put anything into an IRA as a deduction. And many I know of, Mary Jo, they actually don't put money into an IRA if they have those other plans. That's typical, but they can if they have enough and they want to continue to save for retirement in a tax-deferred way. So you can contribute. You may not be able to deduct it. So in 2019, deductions are phased out at these numbers. If you're single and you're earning between 64 and 74,000, so it starts phasing out at 64,000. So if you go above that 74,000, you won't get to deduct what you're putting in an IRA if you're single. And if you're married filing jointly, those phase outs start at 103,000 on up to 123,000. So again, if you go above 123,000, there's not going to be anything that you can deduct for that. And then there's married filing separately, which the phase-out range is actually zero to $10,000. And one of the things I want to stress is a working spouse can fund an IRA for a non-working spouse. The deductibility of that contribution is subject to the same phase-out rules that you were just sharing with us, Bob. But I think this is real important for our listeners and especially all the stay-at-home moms that are out there. Or if you know a stay-at-home mom or one of your, you know, your daughters is a stay-at-home mom, I would really encourage you to have, to recommend that that family fund the IRA. The stay-at-home mom is working. She's working really hard. And, you know, from a psychological benefit, everybody should have retirement savings in their own name. So she's working for the family, and the family should be funding her IRA. So even if her spouse is contributing to the 401k, I think it's just a great thing that they also set up an IRA for the spouse that's staying at home, and they begin to make contributions so that she or he are making you know retirement contributions in their own name. And I think it's just a psychological thing that nobody can take away from you, and it's a huge benefit. I really encourage it. I do too. I think that is a wonderful thing to do. And I encourage that always uh, with everyone that are clients here at CIS Wealth Management Group. And you know, Bob, we've talked about the traditional IRA. And if you are thinking about funding an IRA, but it's not deductible, 
So that makes a Roth IRA a possibility for you. And so these are also an individual contributory plan. Contributions are not tax deductible, but a good solution for anyone who doesn't qualify for a deductible IRA, but you do have to meet some income limitations. So why don't you share those income limitations with our listeners? Yeah, so those income limitations, I, I do have people call me all the time, Mary Jo, and you know they're making over 200000 a year. And they're wanting to put money in a Roth IRA, so they can't do that, bottom line. So let's, let's get to these actual numbers for a single and head of households. It starts at 122000 and then it peaks out at 137000 So what I'm referring to is if your income, if you're single and your income is over $137,000, you are not going to be able to put money in a, in a Roth IRA. For married couples, that range phases out from 193000 to 203000 So really the bottom line is if you're making over 200000 a year, you're not going to get to put money in a Roth IRA either if you're married filing jointly. And this phase out range for a married individual filing a separate return who makes a contribution to a Roth IRA is not subject to an annual cost of living adjustment, and that remains zero to $10,000. So Really, if you're married filing separate returns, I guess forget the Roth IRA, wouldn't you say, Mary Jo? Pretty much sounds that way. Yeah. The other thing we want to touch on is that Roth IRAs are not subject to required minimum distributions. Therefore, they're really one of the best ways to leave money to the next generation, wouldn't you say, Bob? I I would. And don't forget that we work with a lot of people that like to do IRA conversions to a Roth. But there's a lot of complex rules there, and I'm not even going to get into those on today's podcast. But if you would like to talk about converting a traditional to a Roth, just remember this. Anytime you convert, whatever you convert is going to be considered income for that year. And if you're in a high tax bracket, it may not make sense to do it. Because we see a lot of that, Mary Jo, I have a lot of folks they're making mm-hmm. that high income over a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. They can still do some conversion. but they're in such a high tax bracket, it's just going to add insult to injury already on top of their income by converting. And you want to convert the whole thing. You don't want to take money out, if that makes sense. You, like In other words, if you're converting from the traditional to the Roth and you're converting $30,000, you want to convert all 30. Now you just have to pay tax on that extra 30. That's exactly right, Bob. But one of the things that we want to think about is maybe the years to do that are the years right after you quit working. When your earned income is less and before you turn 70 and a half and have to start taking required minimum distributions out, for most people, those are their lowest tax bracket years. And so they maybe want to take a look at, and this is where a good working with a good CPA comes in handy is if they have room to convert a portion of their IRA to a Roth, you just want to make sure you don't convert so much that it bumps you up into a higher tax bracket. Look at how much extra room you have on your bracket to see, and and maybe you convert small portions of it each year. And anything you convert now is less you have to take out in the way of required minimum distributions later on. You saw me raising my hand. That's exactly what I was going to tell you. That's the big thing, isn't it? Yes. Is that you don't have to take required minimum distributions out of a Roth IRA. And I tell you, a lot of our podcast listeners are not above 70, but we do have a few of those that are. And that seems to always be a concern of theirs. They're so concerned. Am I taking my RMD? Am I taking my RMD? 
And with the Roth, you wouldn't have to worry about that. You know, and I think it's important to what I call diversify across the tax code. And it's great when every individual has not only they have a traditional IRA, but they have some monies in a Roth, but they also have sufficient after-tax savings that gives you a lot of flexibility down the road. If you're subject to those income limitations and it keeps you from qualifying for a Roth now and you're still working, check to see if your employer offers a Roth 401k because that might be your best option for participating in a Roth. All right. So we've said a lot about those IRAs, traditional and Roth. Now we're going to get into the employer-sponsored contributory plans, which so many of you are familiar with that are listening to our podcast today. You know, the 401k or the 403b or the thrift savings plan if you're working with the military. We're going to get into these contribution levels first. And the 401k, 403b, 457 plan is another one, thrift savings plan. These all have pretty much the same contribution limits. And for 2019, those contribution limits are $19,000. So you can put up to $19,000 into one of these plans. If you're over 50, you got a catch-up provision, you can put another $6,000. That's going to knock that up to where you could put up to $25,000 of your income. And that's not even including the match that your employer is going to make, which the employer, depending on how nice they are, can 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 give you an additional put can put an additional thirty seven thousand dollars into a four hundred one k four hundred three b thrift savings plan, which is fifty six thousand altogether if you're below fifty or sixty two thousand above fifty. Those are some serious dollars. I just want you to think about this. Say you're you're making a hundred thousand dollar income. Your effective tax bracket is about twenty percent, twenty five percent. Whatever you put into these plans, you're lowering your tax bracket by that amount. So let's say you put ten thousand in a plan and your effective tax bracket's twenty percent. You're saving two thousand dollars on taxes. So it makes a lot of sense to put money into these plans for those higher income earners. That's a lot of tax savings. So if you can avoid that and really think about what that does to your overall tax liability each year, it's a huge benefit. Oh, yeah. You think about folks in the higher tax brackets, we're talking $12,000-$15,000 in in tax savings. Now we're just going to go into the different plans. I'm going to go into one plan and Mary Jo's going to go into another. We're going to tell you the different rules behind each one. First one that so many of you are familiar with is the 401k. The 401k is considered a qualified retirement plan that allows eligible employees, now you got to be eligible, of a company to save and invest for their own retirement on a tax-deferred basis. Only an employer is allowed to sponsor a 401k. So your, your employer has to be sponsoring one for you to participate in it. And it can be funded with pre-tax or after-tax dollars. So we were talking about the tax savings. If you do put some after-tax dollars in, because there's a Roth 401k, some plans offer that, some others don't, but that would be your after-tax dollars. The contributions are usually automatically withheld from your paycheck. So, you know, you start off at $50 a month and then you go to 75 and before you know it, you're at 300 or 500 or even 1,000 a month. And that's the way I like to start people, Mary Jo, is, is in a lower amount. Get used to that and then just incrementally 
That's the right way to say that. Incrementally, yep. Yeah, is add $25 more every couple of months and you don't miss it. And then you're eventually you're way up there to where you're putting large dollars into this 401k plan for your retirement. You know, Bob, you've said, you know, pay yourself first. Right. So the way I like to encourage that is do it every year on an, uh, you know, increase that contribution every year on January 1st or every year when you get your annual raise. So a lot of firms, they can pretty much bank on a cost of living raise each year. So that's a great time to up your contribution amount. I agree with you there. I know we're throwing around a lot of numbers and a lot of acronyms, so just bear with us, but we get lots of questions on these plans. We thought this would be a really helpful episode. So the next one is the 403B plan. This is designed for public school employees and certain tax-exempt organizations, such as hospitals, nonprofits, and museums. This is where I've had a lot of experience in my former life in dealing with a lot of these plans. They are also known as a tax-sheltered annuity. So typically what that means is that can be turned into a stream of lifetime income if you desire. So a 403B plan is set up as an annuity, which can, can be, you can either take distributions out or you can convert it to a stream of income. These are funded through elective employee salary deferrals and some optional employer contributions. So after-tax contributions may also be allowed. And we talked about that with both the 401k and well as the 403b plan. But it's really important that those stay segregated so that when you, you know, you end the plan and your contribution, you can determine and maybe you want to roll that over. You need to know which contributions were uh, before tax and which ones were after tax. And your plan administrator or your employer is responsible for auditing that and keeping great records on those contributions. So we've touched on the 401k, we've touched on the 403b. A lot of you have maybe you're not in, in either one of those, but maybe you have a 457 plan because this is designed for state and local government employees, including police officers, firefighters, and other civil servants. And some high-paid executives at certain nonprofits like hospitals, charities, and unions also get access to a 457 plan on top of a 403b plan. That's a lot of our listeners, Bob. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you, you think about that, how many police officers and firefighters that are out there and people that work for hospitals. It certainly is a way to contribute more. There is similar funding, just like the 403B and the 401K. Contributions are pre-tax. You don't pay taxes until you take the distributions. If you take the money out to prior 59 and a half, though the distribution is not subject to the typical 10% penalty in a 457 plan. And the next one that we're going to talk about is the thrift savings plans. These are referred to as TSPs, and they're designed for federal employees or members of the uniformed services. They also have automatic payroll deductions. There's a choice of tax treatments, again, pre-tax and after-tax. Sometimes there's a Roth provision allowed. And the one thing that's interesting about these plans is they often allow for in-service withdrawals. And that is um, also true. I'm going to back up a little bit. So for a lot of employer plans, such as a lot of 401ks, maybe your employer doesn't have the best investment solutions available. So if they allow in-service withdrawals, 
This may or may not be something that you want to look into. It just typically means that you can pull money out of your current employer plan and roll it into an IRA that becomes self-directed. And for us at CIS Wealth Management, we specialize in biblically responsible investing, and you probably don't have access to that with your employer plan. So if that's important to you and you have access to an in-service withdrawal, it may be something to look about, and we can certainly help you with that. You can guess we see a lot of the thrift savings plans. You know, we're in New Braunfels in between San Antonio and Austin. You know, San Antonio is a big military city. Yes. So we, we see that the thrift savings plans probably more than any other plan just because of where we're located so close to all the all the military bases. There's other plans that we're going to get into, but it kind of falls into different categories now. We've talked about the 401k, the 403b, the thrift savings plan, the 457. A few of you may have what's called an employee stock ownership plan, and that's referred to as an ESOP. And we're not going to get a, a lot into detail on that because not a lot of you have that option. But I just wanted to let you know that we understand ESOPs. And if you need some help with your ESOP plan, definitely give us a call and we'll be able to go over that with you. You're absolutely right, Bob. Those can get pretty darn complicated, but it's a great benefit. And then we have what's called the profit sharing plans. It is a type of defined contribution plan and it's discretionary employer contributions only. And that vesting schedule may apply. So it looks like, like looks something like this. You know, maybe that profit sharing plan, the company is going to distribute out 5% across the board. And that's how they can do that through your defined contribution plan because you put that inside of a 401k type of plan. Does that make sense? Yes. Next, we're going to talk about retirement plans designed for small business owners. Mary Jo. There's basically two plans we're going to talk about here. We're actually three. We're going to talk about the simple plan, the set plan, and the solo 401k. But the simple plan is a plan that I work with a lot because we are a Christian company and we've worked with a lot of Chick-fil-A owners over the years. For some reason, the simple just fits them perfectly. And the simple is less expensive and much easier to set up than a 401k. It's for your smaller employees, for those with fewer than 100 employees, which is the majority of our land. We've done a lot of simple IRAs over the years. Works really good for anyone, say, less than 20 employees. And here's the way the simple works. So it's not the same contribution amounts that you can put into the 401k that we mentioned earlier. The employee can put up to $13,000 if they're below 50, and they can put an additional $3,000 if they're above 50. So it's a total of 16000 Now, this is what's interesting about the, this plan, Mary Jo, is that you could make, let's say you have a part-time mom that's working over at Chick-fil-A, and she makes 13000 in a year, and they didn't need the income for the family. She could take all 13000 and put it in that simple plan. Exactly. 100% of it. We see a lot of this with people that are working in a part-time capacity outside the home that's not the breadwinner, and they just want to save that towards their retirement. And again, if they're above 50, they can go up to 16000 And then the company can match whatever they make up to 3% match. You know, Bob, I want to encourage our listeners. So if you are a small business owner out there and you have been thinking about offering a retirement plan, We really encourage you to kind of give that some serious thought because it's a great way to increase loyalty, but also make them sticky and to really 
compensate them in a way. And I, I think as an employer, it's also partly your responsibility to help employees begin to save and prepare for their financial futures. So regarding the simple IRA, there's actually two different types. There's one where all of the employees have to stay at the same financial service firm that the plan is at. That's called a 5305. But then there's also what's known as a 5304, and the employees can go open their own simple account wherever they want to, and the employer will then direct their contribution to that provider. There's some flexibility in there for uh, employees as well. Mary Jo, when we first started doing the simples, we did, most of them were 5305, but now we do the 5304. And the reason we do that is because, let's say, the owner of the Chick-fil-A has a larger account that would require a managed account. You know, maybe they have 50000 or or 100000 in the account. So they can have that account in our managed program, and then their employees can pick a totally different plan wherever they want to go with that. It enables us to really separate these accounts, and it makes a lot of sense to do the type where you can go with two different vendors. They typically have smaller balances, so they may be best served going to a do-it-yourself financial services firm that has low fees and they're not paying for active management when they have relatively low balances. So that's a great point, Bob. That's exactly right. So the next one we're going to talk about is a SEP IRA, which is called a Simplified Employee Pension Plan. And these are designed for business owners with zero to five employees. So it lets employers and self-employed contribute significantly more than they would be able to to a traditional IRA. And the contribution limits are up to 56000 or 25% of taxable income. And this is the kicker, however, and I know, Bob, you got some, some thoughts around this. The employers must make proportional contributions to all full-time employees after three years of employment and over the age of 21. Yeah, so if you do the SEP, and we've done quite a few of these over the years, but as a company grows, I'm not real in favor of the SEP because there's no vested interest on the employee side. The employer is putting all the money in, and if the employee decides to leave the company after six months that the employers put that money in, they get to take it with them. So if you don't have any vested interest in something, what would keep you from taking the money out? That's exactly right, Bob. And finally, we're going to talk about a solo 401k, and this is a way for an independent business owner who wants a 401k option, but they're just one employer and one person firms. So I know you've got some experience there as well, Bob. We have. We've done quite a few solo 401ks over the years, but we'll look at it and we'll say, well, is it better to do a SEP or the solo 401k? So it really depends on where your income is. And this is something that we need to get with the CPA and figure out what's the best route to go. So we covered a lot of the most popular types of retirement plans. And there's others out there, but they're not nearly as common. And we're not going to spend time on those for the sake of today's discussions. We really wanted to just hit on the most popular that would apply to the most of our listeners. Bob, I think there's also some defined benefit plans out there. So something else that we haven't really talked a lot about. So uh, if you have a defined benefit plan, certainly give us a call and we'd be happy to talk to you about it. And I want to mention in there, the defined benefit plan is on top of the defined contribution plan. So you can have a 401k and a defined benefit plan because the 401k is a contribution plan. 
And Mary Jo, we've done a lot of these defined benefit plans with folks that are in our Eagle Ford shell. Oh, sure. That have a very, very high income and they need all the tax deduction they can get because they may have a windfall where they have 500000 or a million dollars comes in. We set them up where their oil and gas mineral rights are running like a business. And then we can contribute to a defined benefit plan up to like $200,000 or more. On top of that, they can do a defined contribution plan. We're talking some very, very serious tax savings, like tax savings in the $50,000 range because they're in that high, high tax bracket. But again, it's very complex. And this is something that we'd have to discuss with you off the podcast. (laughs) And that's a good segue, Bob. And if you are listening to us today, keep in mind, this is part two of understanding retirement plans. If you missed our previous episode, look for part one of understanding retirement plans, where we talk more about the differences between defined benefit plans and defined contribution plans. One key thing to keep in mind, there are different rules for key employees and highly compensated individuals that may apply to the defined benefit plan. So we'll touch on that. If you have questions, give us a call directly. So as we get close to the end here of today's podcast, let's go over some distribution rules. First, withdrawals before 59 and a half are subject to a 10% penalty in most of these plans. Distributions are required also after you turn 70 and a half. This is called the RMD, Required Minimum Distribution. There's a calculation that is done, and that amount must be withdrawn on an annual basis. And Mary Jo, you're going to go into some of these other rules. So RMDs are calculated based on a formula that the IRS, of course, provides for us that basically calculates what it will take for the account to be depleted at the end of the owner's life expectancy. After all, the IRS wants their money, so they've got it planned so that when you die, they've gotten what's theirs. Yes, they do. That's right. But the one key thing here is if you fail to take your required minimum distribution on time, there's a penalty, and it's a steep penalty, 50% of what the required amount was. So don't let that be you. And if you're working with an advisor, make sure that they help you calculate that each year and help you plan for how you want to take that out. This additional taxable income also could push you into a higher tax bracket, and it certainly may also reduce your eligibility for certain tax credits and deductions. You want to be real thoughtful about your options there, which brings us to the qualified charitable distribution. So Bob, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Well, to eliminate or reduce the impact of the RMDs that we see in paying tax on that, Charitably inclined investors may want to consider making a qualified charitable distribution. So they take that RMD and they give that directly to a charity and you can distribute up to $100,000 depending on how high that RMD would be. And you can go beyond the RMD, by the way, if you're above 70 and a half to a qualified charity and you can exclude that completely from your taxable income. But remember, it's got to be made payable to the charity. You don't take it yourself and then give it to the charity. You go directly from your qualified IRA plan to the charity. This is a huge benefit and one we'd be certainly willing to help you with. So, you know, God does like a cheerful giver. So as we wrap up today's episode on understanding retirement plans, we'd like to leave you with this thought. It's time to press on. In Philippians 3, verses 12 through 16, pressing toward the goal. 
I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress that we've already made. So as we end today's podcast, if we've created retirement confusion, feel free to give us a call anytime at 877-71-TRUTH, and we'll be glad to go over all of these types of retirement plans and which might be the right one for you and all these rules. We don't expect you to take all this in and write all this down. There's a lot of confusion out there, but Mary Jo and I are here to help guide you through that confusion. Give us a call. You are listening to Christian Financial Perspectives. Join us next week as we explore what God's Word says about money. And don't forget, you can sign up for our free newsletter at ciswealth.com or give us a call at 877-71-TRUTH. That's 877-718-7884. To make sure you don't miss any of our podcasts regarding the truth about money, be sure to subscribe to Christian Financial Perspectives at christianfinancialpodcast.com for free. If there are any specific topics you would like to hear more about, we'd love to hear from you. That's all for now. Until next week. Investment advisory services offered through Christian Investment Advisors, Inc., DPA CIS Wealth Management Group, a registered investment advisor. This broadcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information on the subjects covered. It is not, however, intended to provide specific legal, tax, or other professional advice. For specific professional assistance, the services of an appropriate professional should be sought. Comments from today's show are for informational purposes only and not to be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any company that may have been mentioned or discussed. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host, Bob Barber and Mary Jo Lyons. Bob and Mary Jo do not provide tax advice and encourage you to seek guidance from a tax professional.